Praise the Lord, everybody. So great to be back in the house of the Lord this morning, and so great to once again see Pastor and Sister Hughes, the great leadership here, this church. It's uh, good to see Dr. Hughes and his family, and just uh, an honor to be here this morning. And it is an honor to have my family with me. Uh, we, we anticipated she'd have to take the baby out at some point, and uh, that point has come, I'm sure. They don't always get to travel with me, but it's always great to be able to be in service with them. Amen. And I just feel in my spirit, I, I kind of, to be honest with you, as a preacher, you kind of hesitate. You don't want to sound like a one-trick pony or one message, you know, one type of message, one genre of messages. But I just feel in my spirit that from the first service, these last few services I was here There's just in my spirit what God wants to do is call somebody in this house in a tangible way from where you are, where you've been, to where God wants you to be. And that's something different for everybody in here. You might just be reaching out for God, just reaching out for a relationship with God and just figuring this thing out. And I'm talking to you that God wants to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. But you might be in this house today. You might have been walking with God for some decades. And I'm still talking to you. God wants to take you from where you are. There's a call to destiny. There's a call to purpose. There's a call. God wants to call somebody to destiny and purpose. And I'm going to stay in that vein. I just can't shake that. I'm going to be reading from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It's my prayer that somebody walks out of here with a greater sense of purpose and destiny. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Very familiar passage of scripture, very comforting passage of scripture that lets us know what God sees and what God thinks when he looks at his people. One of the greatest things about this scripture is that it's not just a historical statement. It's not just true for those who were hearing it on that day, but it's just as true today as it was on the days when it was spoken the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So many things in this scripture are comforting. The fact that God even thinks about us in the first place is comforting. The fact that his thoughts are thoughts of peace and not of evil is comforting. But I want to zero in on that last phrase to give you an expected end. I don't know what that does for you, but it does my heart some good to know that when God looks at me and God looks at my life, he doesn't just see some random point of termination. He doesn't just see some random end point at the point, but God has an expected end. When God looks at me, there's a specific place that God's trying to take me. God, God's trying to work something specific out in my life. There's a destination. There's a, a specific thing that God wants to do with your life, and I pray that somebody is gripped with that revelation here today. I want to preach here for the next few minutes on the simple subject, I will not die an acorn. I, I want that defiance to grab a hold of somebody. I will not die an acorn. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for your power, your presence. We thank you for your anointing that we feel in this house. I ask you now, God, for these next few minutes, anoint my mind, anoint my spirit, God. Give me your words to speak to the hearts and minds of your people and let your words be a living word that will take root in our hearts and in our minds and produce life in the days and the weeks and the months to come. 
And we'll be careful to give your name the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. I say all the time that I consider myself, among other things, to be a faith preacher because I believe that every preacher is ultimately a faith preacher. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And every time we preach, we're, we're, we're instilling faith and building faith. But, but I, I believe that perhaps it's because of my background being raised overseas on the mission field or, or, or different. I don't know what it is, but it seems like I, it, I, I tend to look at faith a little bit differently than we do in our culture here in North America, modern day American culture, because we live in such a, a self-centered society. We live in such an inward focused society. And, and, and if we're not careful, it, that, that, will kind of manifest itself even when it comes to matters of spirituality. And I I say all that to say this, that most of the time in modern day America, when we're talking about having faith and being a person of faith, the measure of faith that we use is that I've got enough faith to believe that God can do something great for me. And I'm thankful that God does great things for me. I'm thankful that God responds to my faith and, and God does great things and provides great things in my life in response to my faith. But, but I believe that there's a more mature level of faith that, that we used to walk in here in North America. And, and it's a mature level of faith that I see exhibited in some parts of the world. But, but it's a level of faith that goes beyond saying, I've got enough faith to believe that God can do something great for me. And it's the faith that says, I've got enough faith to believe that I can do something great for God. I've got enough faith to believe that I can make a difference. I've got enough faith to believe that my life can matter in ways beyond my wildest expectation. I've got enough faith to believe that I can walk into a hospital room and my very presence represents the purpose and the power and the will of God. I've got enough faith to believe that if God's looking for another Daniel, if God's looking for another David, if God's looking for another Moses, that he can use me in all my frailties with all my mistakes, with all my inadequacies, I've got enough faith to believe that I can become something that matters for God. Got enough faith. That's a level of faith that I pray will grip a hold of somebody here today. We're here on this Memorial Day weekend. We're honoring those who have paid the ultimate supreme sacrifice. We're honoring those who found something that they believed in so much that they were willing to lay everything on the line for it. Somebody who believed they found a purpose that was so great that they were willing to sacrifice everything. And I, I honor those people. If there's any veterans here today who put themselves in a position where you were willing to pay that ultimate sacrifice, I honor you here today on this Memorial Day. That's something I believe that is to be admired, that people find something worth dying for, find something worth giving their lives for, find something worth really funneling themselves into. But I pray that that same spirit would grab a hold of somebody when it comes to the things of God, that somebody will find a purpose, that somebody will find something worth giving everything for, worth laying everything down for. A few months back, I had the, I guess, the unfortunate honor of being a part of a funeral service. I was asked to be, uh, to play a part in a funeral service, and uh, the lady that passed away was an unusual lady. I don't believe I've ever met anybody like her uh, here in Houston. Uh, She was an elderly lady when she died, but but one of the things that, that just, and when we got to the funeral, if you were to look at her life through the prism of kind of modern culture and, and modern what people consider success to be, they probably would not consider Mary Hall to be a success. She, she never had much money. To the best of my knowledge, she's never owned a vehicle. 
Um, just, you never owned a home to the best of my knowledge. And most people would have looked at her life and said that she really wasn't, didn't have much success in life. But at this funeral, there were dozens and dozens of preachers and pastors who were there and the church was packed. And, and, the, and, and what happened was I heard person after person get up and talk about how she impacted their lives. And, and, and what they were saying was mirroring what I had experienced with her and, and what I was there to say. But one thing Mary Hall used to do and all the way into her late 70s, Mary Hall would on a daily basis would get on the buses in the city of Houston and just ride the buses in Houston, witnessing the people talk. She did it every single day, talking to people, witnessing to people, inviting people to church, praying for people. That was her passion. And I heard preacher after preacher get up and talk about the literal tens of thousands of lives that she has touched. And I've heard preachers talk about people who are still walking with God today because of the sacrifices, because of a little old lady who didn't have much, but found a purpose, a little old lady who didn't have much, but found something worth living for, found something worth doing every single day. And a defiance grabbed a hold of my life. And I said, God, let me find something that I'm passionate enough about to make it my life's goal, to make it my life's purpose. Let me do something that's going to live beyond me. Let me do something that's going to touch people and matter even after I'm gone. I've come to preach a defiance into somebody's spirit. We brought our, we, I, I, I know it's kind of ironic because we brought our babies here today and, and I spend a lot of time trying to get defiance out of his spirit. I've got a 22-year-old month son and, and we fight defiance every day. But I pray today that a defiance would grab a hold of somebody's spirit where you say, I refuse to accept my reality as my destiny. I refuse to allow my limitations of today to kill my dreams and rob me of my purpose and my calling in God. God sent me here to tell somebody that he's calling you higher. It's time to push. It's time to press. It's time to grow. And every time I think about spiritual growth, I think about the story of Sir Edmund Hillary. Some of you might be familiar with him, a great explorer, great mountain climber. And one of Sir Edmund Hillary's passions was he wanted to conquer Mount Everest. He wanted to climb Mount Everest. And he tried many times and failed many times. His second attempt was particularly uh, egregious in the failure because not only did he fail to conquer Mount Everest, but he lost two men in the expedition in the process. And so Edmund Hillary came back to New York City in great defeat, and they had set up a press conference for him to talk about it. And Sir Edmund Hillary, he talked about how down he was. He talked about losing two great friends, and he talked about, once again, being bested by Mount Everest. But before the end of that press conference, Sir Edmund Hillary turned around and looked at the big picture of Mount Everest they had hanging behind the podium. And he turned and looked at that picture, and he said, once again, you bested me. Once again, I've attempted, and I've failed. He says, but one day, I will overcome you. And he says, I know I'm going to overcome you because you're all that you're ever going to be. My God, hear me when I tell somebody the enemy is all he's ever going to be. The enemy's not going to get any more powerful than he is right now. But you and I have no such limitations. You and I have no such limitations. You and I can grow. You and I can push. You and I can go beyond. You and I can walk in greater anointing and greater destiny and greater power. Somebody ought to look at the enemy and realize that what tripped me up yesterday doesn't have to trip me up tomorrow. And the test I couldn't pass last year, I don't have to fail 
next year. And the limitations of my yesterday don't have to be my limitations of today. But I can go to another level. I can walk in greater anointing. I can walk in greater dominion. I can walk in greater apostolic authority. I can walk in purpose. I can grow. My God, I can grow. But you've got to make up your mind that you absolutely refuse to stay where you are. You've got to make up your mind that you absolutely refuse to allow your comfort zone to run your life. So here's the key. When something is meant to grow, there's no such thing as standing still. When something is meant to grow, there's no such thing as maintaining. If it's meant to grow, it's either growing or it's falling behind. I've got two boys here this morning. The youngest is 21 months. The oldest is seven. The youngest is, he's eating some table food, still some baby food. He says some words, some phrases. He walks not extremely well. He climbs not extremely well. But we're not concerned about him because he's 21 months old. But should he turn seven like the oldest and still be eating some baby food and some table food, still talking but not extremely well, still walking but unsteady, unshaking, still climbing but not very well, we'd be extremely concerned about him. He hasn't lost anything. He hasn't gone backwards. But when something is meant to grow, when something is designed to grow, there's no such thing as me. I've come to stir somebody up today. God, I can't be the man that I was last year. I can't be the man that I was 10 years ago. I can't be the lady that I was last week. I can't be the minister that I was 20 years ago. But God, give me the courage to grow. Give me the passion to grow. Give me the strength to grow and to be what you want me to be. The enemy doesn't want you to reach your purpose and your destiny the place that God has called you to be. I'm convinced that too many times in church that we don't fully appreciate what deliverance actually is. You see, by definition, to deliver is to bring or to transport to the proper place. That's what deliverance is. When you deliver something, you bring it or transport it to the proper place. And somehow in our Christian vernacular, deliverance has become no longer doing something or being brought out of something. But a package of mail is not delivered until it's been picked up from where it was, transported and deposited, not just at any place, but at that one specific place of, or, of destination, that one specific address. I'm preaching to somebody about an expected end, about a specific address, a specific place that God wants you to go. A package of mail is not delivered until it's been picked up from where it was and transported and deposited at the steps of that specific address that it was intended to be. God, I don't just want to be picked up and changed from what I used to be, but don't stop working on me until I'm the man that you want me to be. I don't just want to be 
rescued. I want to be delivered. I don't just want to be called out of. I want to be called into. I don't just want to be called out of darkness, but I want to be called into light. I don't just want to be called out of chaos, but I want to be called into clarity. I don't want to be called out of turmoil, but I want to be called into purpose and destiny. Don't take your hands off of me until I'm the man that you want me to be. Don't take your hands off of me until I'm doing the things that you've called me to do. Don't take your hands off of me until I'm walking in my expected end and my expected purpose. He doesn't just want to change you from what you were. God's not just a changer. God's a transformer. He's just as concerned about what he turns you into as he is about what he calls you out of. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, but it doesn't stop there. Behold, all things have become new. God, don't stop on me until I'm the new man that you want me to be. My God, my God, my God. It's not enough just to not be Saul anymore. God's not done with you until you become Paul, until you've got a new name, a new identity, something that completely 180 degrees opposed from what you used to be. I don't just not want to be Saul anymore, but God, I want to be the Paul that you want me to be. It's my prayer that you leave here today, no matter where you are with your walk with God, that you leave here today with a greater sense of purpose and a greater sense of destiny. Because whether you realize it or not, there is an all-out attack against purpose and destiny. And if we're honest with ourselves, even in the house of God, if we're not careful, we get to the point where there is no abiding sense of purpose and destiny. That there is no driving sense of destiny. Why I'm here the purpose for my life and what God wants to do, not just through the church, but what God wants to do through me, my purpose. There's an all-out attack against purpose. So much of this new age thinking is ultimately an attack on purpose. I'm convinced that the theory of evolution is ultimately itself an attack on purpose. That's why they try to indoctrinate our children with this theory of evolution, because ultimately that's an attack on purpose. Because if I'm here by accident, I can't possibly be here for a reason. If I'm not here on purpose, I can't possibly be here for a purpose. And so they want to convince our children that they're here by random acts of happenstance. That they're here is just a bunch of incidences and coincidences that created them here. But there is no purpose. They're just here. They're not here on purpose. So they can't possibly be here for a purpose. But I want to tell anybody who will listen, I am fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. I am God's workmanship. I'm created to produce good works. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm a partaker of his promise. I am a chosen generation. I am a royal priesthood. I have the mind of Christ. I have the power to be called a child of God. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and I'm here for a reason. I was created for a purpose. God has a plan. God has an expected end, and it's time to rise and walk in purpose. It's time to walk in purpose. My God, my God. I've talked about purpose. I've talked about purpose before, and specific purpose 
destiny for your life. And I've had people ask me how they can find that purpose, that reason, that perfect will of God for their lives, the reason that they're here. I don't claim to have the only answer. I don't even claim to have the best answer. Perhaps Dr. Hughes could give us a better answer than the answer I have. But the only answer I have is the answer I have. And I believe that the way, the best way to find God's perfect will for your life is to begin to do his general will. Begin to do the things that you know to do. Begin to do the things that are common to all of us. Because what happens so many times is that we sit there, we allow ourselves to become paralyzed because we're trying to figure out what God wants us to do. We're trying to figure out the perfect will of God for our lives. But I've come to tell somebody it's time to throw yourself headlong into the general will of God. It's time whenever your hands find something to do. If there's a need, I'm just going to do. Because what happens is you provide the momentum then. You just begin to move your feet and you provide God with some momentum. And then you give God something to work with. And God begins to focus and God begins to direct you. I look back at my own life and I don't claim to have arrived at, at any sort of place of destination. But I look back at my own life and I realize that when I just began to do something, when I just began to fulfill a need, when I just began to move my feet, when I just began to become active, God began to open some doors. God began to close some doors. And as I moved my feet, I gave God something to work with. And God was moving and positioning. It didn't make sense at the time. Sometimes I thought I was moving backwards. But now I look back in retrospect and I understand the hand of God was upon my life. But I've got to learn how to get involved. I've got to learn how to do something. God, I'm going to do your general will until I find your perfect will. I'm going to give you something to work with, something to lead, something to direct. Sometimes we just stand there and we kind of hope that God's going to translate us into our destiny. But it's time to make up your mind. I'm going to fulfill a purpose and allow God to direct me to my purpose. But I'm going to do something, my God. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. You might look at the church and it might seem like some people have everything. But the reality is that everybody has something. And when everybody starts to do something, my God, when everybody brings their abilities and their energies and their passion, when everybody starts to do something, You'll be surprised what God can do with your lives. God doesn't make anything. I talked about this the other day. God doesn't do anything, make anything without having it a purpose and an identity. And what I'm preaching here today is that God places within that thing that he creates. He places the potential to become what it was designed to be. Usually there's a process that has to take place to bring that potential into fruition, but it's God who plants that potential to fulfill the purpose. Within every acorn, within every acorn, there lies the potential to become a mighty oak tree. But the reality is that only a small fraction of acorns ever reach this ultimate destiny. You and I see it that for every oak tree you see standing, you'll find literally thousands of acorns that fall, lay there, exist for a while, and die and fade away. For every oak tree, 
There are thousands of acorns that come, live, die, and disappear and never become anything more than an acorn. Yes, it's possible in life to be born, exist, die, and never become more than an acorn. The sad reality is that much like the oak tree, more people die as acorns than become oak trees. The reality is that in life, more people exist than actually live and live more abundantly. But I'm preaching here today that existence is not enough. Existence is about what God created you as, but not what God created you to become. Hear what I'm saying? Existence is the waste of God-given purpose and God-given potential. That acorn is meant to be an acorn, but it's not meant to remain an acorn. And what God created you as should never be confused with what God created you to become. But the defiance that I'm preaching about here today is where you sometimes have to stand flat-footed and flat-out refuse to accept your reality as your destiny. Sometimes you got to look in the mirror and say, I might be an acorn now. That might be my reality now, but it will not always be so. It is not my destiny. It is not the end of my story. My story is still being written. I can walk in purpose and power and become what God wants me to be. You can't really live without a sense of purpose. All you can do is exist without a sense of purpose. And most people are looking for something greater. But hear me when I say that real joy comes from being used in a purpose that you recognize to be far greater than you are. A purpose that you recognize to be far greater than your situations and your temporary realities. That's where real joy is. And life comes from. There's something I call the potential paradox. Because potential is simultaneously one of the most powerful forces in the world. While being one of the most useless forces in the world. What I call the potential paradox. Potential is a funny thing. At the same time, it's one of the most powerful forces in the world. While being one of the most useless forces in the world. Because nothing great ever happens without potential, but nothing great ever happens just because of potential. Potential is simply God's initial contribution to your destiny. But if destiny is ever going to be fulfilled in your life, it's going to be because of your contribution to the potential that God has placed in you. It's going to be the fruit of your decisions. It's going to be the fruit of your actions. It's going to be the fruit of your motivations. It's going to be the fruit of your uh, priorities that you place in your life. But God gives you something deep within each of us are the tiny seeds that somehow contain the entire formula to become the things that God desires us to be. I possess everything that I need to begin the process of becoming what I'm destined to be. There might be some things I need to gain along the way. There might be some things I need to pick up during the process, but I've got everything I need now to begin. I've got everything I need now to take the first step. I've got everything I need now to begin walking on that journey towards my destiny and my potential. God places it within the seed. It exists in some measure within me, but I've just got to learn how to exercise it. I've got to learn how to begin to walk in it. It needs to be cultivated. It might need to be nurtured. It might need to be seasoned with time, 
But the basic building blocks do exist. If the acorn does not begin to grow, it will begin to die out. And that's why it gets painful. Can I be real with somebody here today? That's why it gets painful. That's why you find yourself in that position. You begin to get restless. Survival instincts begin to kick in. Say, wait a minute, I'm dying here. I'm dying here. Something needs to happen. I need to go deeper. There's somebody under the sound of my voice who's tired of being what you've always been. There's somebody under the sound of my voice who's tired of doing what you've always done. There's something on the inside of somebody that's saying, I'm dying where I lay. I'm dying where I lay. I'm dying where I lay. Something needs to happen. Something needs to give. This is not my story. This is not my story. This is not my expected end. Another ironic thing is that many of us do not reach our ultimate destiny because we find a purpose. Biologists will tell you that those acorns that fall and lay there and die, disappear, they'll tell you that they do serve a purpose. Some would no doubt become food for rodents, squirrels, and the like. Others will be reabsorbed into the soil, provide fertilization for other plants. They serve a purpose. They do fulfill a purpose. But every acorn that becomes a mighty oak tree sends a message to the entire universe that I was not put here to be food for squirrels. I was not put here to be fertilizer, but I was put here with greatness locked into my DNA. I was put here with the potential to become something mighty. I was put here with the potential to become something that lasts. I'm going to do something that outlives me. I'm going to do something that produces after my own kind. I'm going to do something that changes the landscape forever. I'm going to do something that makes a difference. God, God help me go beyond simply a purpose-driven life to a destiny-driven life. In this context, purpose is a reason that you're here. But destiny is the reason that you're here. And I might fulfill many purposes on the way to my ultimate destiny. But one of the greatest tragedies in life is when somebody finds a lesser purpose and they stay there. They find a lesser purpose and they stop thinking purpose. They stop thinking direction. They stop thinking destiny. They find a lesser person purpose and they find a home there and they stay there. But greater than purpose, greater than effectiveness, greater than function, there's a call to destiny. Somebody needs to hear that there are some unique things that you and only you can do and God needs you to do it. There are some people that you and only you can touch and God needs you to touch them. There are some differences that you and only you can make and God needs you to make it. But you've got to go beyond simply a purpose-driven life and you've got to say, God, speak to my mind. Speak to my spirit. I want to walk in your will. I want to walk in your plan. I want to be the man or the woman that you want me to be. God, God, I don't want to settle for a lesser purpose. I don't want to settle for a mere function. But if I'm going to be in the house of God, 
let me be a pillar. If I'm going to be in the house of God, let me be a source of inspiration and a source of strength. If I'm going to be in my community, let me do something that matters. Let me be something that makes a difference in the lives of others. The great thing about becoming a tree is that it changes your identity once and for all. There comes a definitive point when an acorn stops being an acorn and becomes a tree. The identity is changed forever. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Once the identity has been definitively changed from a mere acorn to a tree, there is no turning back. The mechanisms are now in place to continue to grow, to continue to flourish. The plant is no longer as vulnerable, as weak as it was. As an acorn, it was vulnerable. It was weak. It was liable to be attacked, to be eaten, to be devoured. But now as an oak tree, it provides protection. It provides shade for those that are vulnerable and weak. As an oak tree, it now is on the path to being able to produce after its own kind. God, I don't just want to exist, but I want to have life and life more abundantly. I don't just want to come to church, but I want to walk in apostolic power and apostolic authority. God, help me. Don't want to die an acorn. One reason I'm passionate about this is that we look around, we're losing a generation of oak trees. Just buried great man, Brother Judd, used to be foreign missions director for the United Pentecostal Church International, and so many people can trace their ministerial roots back to him. I was in Pastor Hughes' office and saw the great tribute to Elder Kilgore in his office. Oak trees. We're losing a generation of oak trees. We're losing a generation of men and women who walked into cities, regions, with no apostolic influence. They planted themselves there. They died out and planted themselves there. And they produced in ways that are still producing and will continue to produce until Jesus comes back. Oak trees. We're losing a generation of oak trees. I don't say that to be negative. I say that to challenge somebody. Because God is still calling for oak trees. I don't have to be a pastor to be an oak tree. I don't have to be in ministry to be an oak tree. But God is looking for pillars. God is looking for men and women who are willing to say, whatever I need to die out to, however I need to plant myself, God, I want to do something that matters. I want to do something that makes a difference. I want to do something that's going to outlive me. I want to do something that's going to matter. God is calling somebody in this house to a greater sense of destiny. There is no substitute 
for a true sense of destiny and purpose. There is no substitute for a true conviction that you found the will of God for your life and you're doing the will of God for your life. A person without a purpose is like a ship without a sail, unable to go anywhere significant, a victim of life, tossed and thrown, and only able to react to life. But it's time for somebody to hear the voice of destiny. So many voices that would seek to distract you. So many voices that would seek to discourage you. But I hear the Holy Ghost speaking to somebody here today. If you'll shut off all the other voices this morning, if you'll disregard all the other voices and hear the voice of the Holy Ghost speaking to somebody, I believe the Holy Ghost is here this morning and is speaking with the voice of destiny. And so when other voices say that you're not qualified to do what God wants you to do, the voice of destiny says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ that strengthens me. When other voices say, this city is too far gone and the forces of evil have too much power over the people in this city, the voice of destiny says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When other voices say there are too many spirits attacking this church. The voice of destiny says that one will put a thousand to flight. When other voices say it's time to give up, the voice of destiny says it's time to get up. When other voices say I'm too far gone from the will of God, the voice of destiny says he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody decide this morning whose report are you going to believe? Your flesh might be saying, I'm not strong enough, but the voice of destiny says, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. You might be saying, but I'm not able, but the voice of destiny says that God is able if you're just willing. God is able if you're just willing. This morning, God sent me here with a simple call to action. Not a call to believe something. Not a call to believe something, but a call to do something. It is time for somebody to become what God wants you to be. There is a call to destiny. In order... In order to ever become an oak tree, at some point, that acorn, at some point, that acorn is going to have to break the shell. That shell that encapsulates it. I know what I'm talking about here this morning. There are people under the sound of my voice. You've been in a shell. There's, there's something on the inside of you that's been calling Driving, trying to become something. But there's a shell that's keeping you where you are. It's time this morning. God, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to break the shell. Whatever I have to give up. Whatever I have to become. Whatever I have to let go of. Whatever I have to believe. Whatever I have to stop believing. Whatever mistakes I have to overcome. God. More than anything, I want to break the shell 
But hear me when I say there are some shells that you cannot break without the power of the Holy Ghost. There are some shells that you cannot break without the power of God. And the anointing of the Holy Ghost is here this morning to help somebody break some chains. The anointing of the Holy Ghost is here this morning to help somebody break some shells. The anointing of the Holy Ghost is here this morning to empower somebody to become the thing that you've always desired to become. Let's stand all over this building. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. These altars are open. If you feel a draw of the Holy Ghost, make your way down to these altars and say, God, whatever it takes to break the shell, God, whatever it takes for me to become what you want me to become, I lay it on the altar here today. Somebody make your way down here to these altars. The Holy Ghost is flowing. The Holy Ghost is moving. I will not die where I am. I will not die short of my destiny. I will not die short of my purpose. I will not perish in this predicament. Come on, destiny is calling somebody. Destiny is calling somebody. Destiny is calling somebody.